Hello, welcome to the stochastic.com NFL showdown strategy show. I'm still getting back. Still getting back. Sim strategy show. Yeah. One of my favorite shows of the week. Look, if there's anything that's going to get you prepped for a site like this, it is uh it is this. If there's any show that's going to get you prepped going into a Sunday slate, it is this right here. So we're glad to have you guys with us. Happy to be here. And I'm with Greg Ehrenberg at G Ehrenberg DFS on Twitter. I'm at Lafay underscore D. Uh, happy to be back, man. Glad to be doing this show with you again. You're muted. But it's always nice to have you. Oh, I was I was muted there. So we're all getting we're all getting back into the flow. Yeah. Of things. I've, I've never <laughs> yeah, we're off to a good start. I've never once within StreamYard touched the mute button, and I don't know what ended up happening there. But somehow I got muted. I'm going to say that that was Jacob trying to sabotage us. Because he's he's the one constant around here, right? Like the the host changes, the analyst changes, but the producer always stays the same. So he's finding ways to sabotage us so that he'll be the one who's looking good no matter what. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy to have you back. We had Spags filling in for a couple of weeks, which was great, but it's not the same. I like doing shows with you. You and I don't get to do a lot of shows together, and uh, it's good. We get to have our pre-show prep conversations, the post-show prep conversations, now we get to look at the Sims and see what's standing out. Yeah, those conversations just get me fired up is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny. Coming off of last week, I know <clears throat> you and I weren't on the show together. But um, we, I, I was looking. I wanted to see a couple of things. So I went back in the, in the post-contest simulator. I was just really curious to see what the ROI, what the Simdar, the pre-Simd ROI was on double Tua stacks. Because... You know, obviously going into that week, you go, man, how good does that look, right? But then you run the Sims, and they weren't giving us any of that. Like, no Tua, Waddle, and Hill. And what's what's kind of fascinating to me is we have had slates, you know this, where our Sims have jammed, like, expensive double stacks, right? It's happened before where they've jammed expensive double stacks. You were getting zero of that. I think on the Sims I ran, um, again, wasn't on the show, but when I ran them on Sunday morning, I think I had one to a double stack out of out of like a hundred out of 150, and it wasn't even Hill and Waddle. So I went back and I looked at them, and all of the two a double stacks, by the way, most would not have done particularly well. We're like minus 50, minus 100, minus 75 simd ROI. And it just goes to show you that like there is a method to the madness. There is a reason because they did like. You're looking at a week like this. Sure, there's a lot of variance in the NFL. It's a short season with a small sample. But if you were running two of double stacks with the two highest priced receivers, they weren't getting you there last week. And a lot of it wasn't because those guys couldn't, but because the builds around them weren't positive ROI lineups. Yeah, and I I think actually, if I remember correctly, last week when Spags and I did the show, on Friday when we were breaking it down, the number one overall lineup we had at that time was a Tua Hill Waddle double stack. I think that was the number one overall projected ROI lineup. And then, yeah, we saw some changes that got as we got closer to Sunday. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. We did a bunch of Purdy stacks that were popping up. Well, that worked. Yeah, those ones definitely ended up working. There was a lot of Russell Wilson on Sunday, too. That didn't work quite as well. No, I think so. I, I was in between. Uh, Russell Wilson double stack or Brock Purdy double stack for my single entry team looking at my best projected lineups by Sunday and laughing. Let me tell you what, I chose wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what was your, wait, what was your, what was it? What'd you go with? 
Yeah, uh, I went with, so it was, I had two lineups that were projected like nearly identically in the Sim ROI. One was, it was actually Purdy, McCaffrey, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel as a triple stack. And then the other one was Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. And I, I, I landed on the Russell Wilson. Yeah, that, that didn't work <laughs> out too well. I had some of those too. And and Wilson got picked in the end zone. It could have changed things a little bit, like maybe put you north of the cash line. I don't know if you saw the end of that game, but they had a shot to come back and win it against Houston. And he just threw a bad ball, got picked in the end zone. But happy to have you guys here with us. I love seeing what we're going to go and get with these Sims. Like Greg said, things can change from Friday to Sunday, but I think you're going to get a good idea of like what kind of builds are feasible. Um, and not feasible like you can build them because you can build a lot of wild shit. But what builds are actually plus EV builds that are feasible to actually win you a tournament? Put it that way. So before we start, take a single second. Tone for your sins here on a Friday morning. We're going into the weekend, friends. And someone said in chat, it's week 14 already. Yeah, it's crazy. NFL flies. And then you get towards the end. You do a ton of NFL content. And you start to get worn out a little bit. But then you remember, like, what else would we rather be doing? That's why I start, like, dude, nobody, nobody, nobody can stand the best ball bros in like June, you know, and May. <laughs> but I kind of get it because they don't want to talk about anything else, you know? I kind of get it. Anyway, take a second, tone for your sins, hit that thumbs up button. Only takes one, literally one single second to hover over and click. If you hate this show, and it's odd that you'd be here, but if you hate it, make sure to hit that thumbs down, but do it twice and subscribe to the channel. Also, leave a comment down below. Let us know. Like you're this week, what stacks are you leaning heavy into? What are you dying on? I already know, I already have a good feeling that we're not going to get a lot of Justin Fields, DJ Moore, but Eric and I yesterday in agreement, kind of like those. We'll see. Maybe we can do some boosts and whatever. But uh also check our podcast content out. Everything that goes here on YouTube. Goes into our podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some podcast-exclusive content that you'll only find there. I promise you'll love it. Tuesday's single-entry 3-max strategy and weekly rewind with Ben Raza and myself. All right. So what are we running, Greg? 25 to first and I guess I should ask Jacob. 25 to first and 10K? Yeah, that's the plan. Cool. Makes sense. And uh, something worth noting if you guys are building lineups in the Sims is – we do have different contests that the payouts are way different for, especially at this time of year. So if you are building lineups for the Millie, especially now that it's like, what, a $2.7 million prize pool, it pays out a million to first. So you're going to want to make that a lot more top heavy. But if you're playing something like the Flea Flicker, which might pay 20% to first, you, you might want to build lineups and have different lineup sets for those different contests because the payout structures have changed pretty, pretty dramatically since week one. Which one's the most? Millie, because it's gone from week one. It was a $4 million prize pool with a million to first, where now it's like $2.5 million prize pool or $2.7 million yeah, prize good pool. Point. still the million to first. Okay. Well, Justin said most popular starts I'm seeing. I guess you mean stacks. Mm -hmm. uh, or he, I guess he's saying, yeah, because it's not a full stack. Uh, across the industry right now, across the industry podcast is Fields, Moore, and Moss. That's interesting. I didn't think it would be that popular. Our ownership has DJ Moore pretty low right now at his price point. I mentioned yesterday, though, Greg, DJ Moore, if you would take 
if you would extrapolate the eight games, if you would take the games that he's played with just Justin Fields this year and extrapolate them across a 17-game season, he's pacing like 1,700 yards and 16 touchdowns. So when you remove those four games with Tyson Bajan, the Justin Fields-DJ Moore connection has been electric this year. Yeah, it's shown to have a super high – it hasn't been consistent – but it's had a very, very high ceiling. Like right. the biggest game we saw, I think it was a Thursday night game where DJ Moore went for like 130 receiving yards. And it might've even been the first quarter of that game and then finished with a massive game. It was one of the 230 yards and three touchdowns against the commanders. Yeah. And that was Thursday night football, if I remember correctly. And that's, I'm pretty sure the biggest wide receiver game we've seen of the entire year. And that's the kind of ceiling you get from DJ Moore. Now, part of the inconsistency is also going to be related to Justin Fields being hurt, being in and out of the lineups, and he just himself playing inconsistently. But yeah, it's a super, super high upside stack. I will say, you're right. He hasn't been entirely consistent. But in eight games, he has 400-yard games and then a 96-yard game. So if let's just say you wanted to round up five out of eight, 100-plus yards, you know, pretty good, pretty good. But we'll see. I have a feeling we won't get to a ton of him. Let's see what we got, Jacob. Now, obviously, like Greg said, you guys can make adjustments on your own. Um, first thing I want to do, though, just go to exposures and then stack exposures, assuming we have 150 lineups already uh, already favorited. Okay. Jake Browning. Dude, Browning looked fucking good last week. He was, <laughs> it looked it, good. It, it's, I, I was like kind of half-joking when I said this, but it was also the – truth of any primetime game we've seen this year really most nfl games has there been a better played quarterback back and forth than what we got out of jake browning and cj bethard on the monday night football game and it's it's not even because like it's it's not to say that that these guys are you know just like outright bad quarterbacks it's like they were legitimately really good in that game he looked really good now the question is like does he turn back into a pumpkin that's a question worth this worth discussing. I mean, remember Josh Dobbs termed the pastronaut, right? Like, you know, <laughs> this, this guy, it was, it, it, do, do you remember that viral clip of his parents sitting in the club box, watching him looking like super, you know, disappointed and just stone faced and, you know, expressionless. Yes. Okay. Do you think that was just because they knew what was coming? You think it was just years of him disappointing them? They're like, yeah. we, we we know it's coming next. No, I think it's. But hold on, my point was that then you've got him going up against Minnesota or against Chicago on a primetime game and gets picked off four times in the first three quarters. If you had, and love you've got you've got two kids of your own now. If you knew that your kid had the choice to either be an astronaut or get the shit beat out of them playing football. I, I would think as a parent, to be like, boy, it'd be really nice if they if they had that astronaut gig right now, as opposed to watching them get, you know, just destroyed every time that they drop back to pass or, you know, running in the open field. So I, I think that there's a lot of it too. It's just like, man, he could be a lot safer right now. I mean, you couldn't be suggesting that being an astronaut is safe. Well, is he? He's not one of the. <laughs> it's not like he's one of the astronauts who's going up into space, though, was he? Isn't that what an astronaut is? No, nah, I thought he was one of the the computer people who's doing the numbers, and is he's the they call into him in Houston. Wait, that's called that's considered an astronaut too. 
I would think so. That'd be like a space station control center guy. Has as as uh, Josh Dobbs ever been to outer space? I, I don't know, but I'm saying I always just assumed an astronaut was someone that like went in the space. Some of them. I don't think all of them do that. Look it up. What is an astronaut? There's astronaut no way. A person who commands pilots or serves as a crew member of a spacecraft. Yeah. Crew member in the spacecraft. Or like you wouldn't call that. You wouldn't call the ladies from hidden figures astronauts. So, but the people who command pilot or serve as a crew member of the space, like the people who, the people who are the commanders, I mean, like, not that I know the hierarchy of astronauts at all, but are, I thought the people who are commanding it that are at mission control are considered astronauts. I just always assume they were mission control. I don't know. Let's not get bogged down. I get <laughs> your point. All I'm saying is, could Jake Browning come back to earth? <laughs> that, was, that was totally not intentional uh i suppose it's possible but you know what it is not a bad spot this week going up against the colts at home uh could could he just could we be like oh that's the jake browning sure but my assumption is if we pull up some of these lineups like do me a favor real quick jacob go to lineups and then go to the right side where the lineups are and yeah, do that and then filter by Browning. Let's just see what some of these Jake Browning lineups actually look like. Because my guess, by the way, I did run a sim right now, uh, Greg, while we were talking, and I got a ton of I, I got a ton of uh Patrick Mahomes QB plus two stacks, so double stacks. I got a combined 16 double stacks, 16% and four percent QB plus three. And this was 10% the first in a $10,000, a 10,000 man uh, field or a 10,000 contest uh, generator. So, yeah, I don't know. I got a lot of browning too with single stacks. Let's, let's take a look, see for ourselves. Yeah, we are getting to a ton of Jake Browning lineups here. I'm interested to see who it is that we are stacking him with most. I mean, it would stand to reason that it's going to be Jamar Chase, but Chase is also fairly expensive. We don't have the exact same salary savings this week that we had last week where Zach Moss is still going to show up in a lot of lineups, but he's not the close to min price running back he was a week ago. So let's see. Browning. It's a lot of mixing with him too. Yeah, a lot of mixing. A lot of mixing. A lot of Jamar Chase. So mixing Chase Higgins. Mixing Chase Higgins. Mixing Chase. No single stacks, though. It's almost all double and triple. There's one. That, yeah, right. It is, but there's one. So it's Chase and Browning. And that gets you Jacobs, Charbonnet. Where do we go? Where did I lose it? Moss, Jacobs, uh, not Charbonnet, Jamar Chase, Elijah Moore, Guyton, Njoku, McCaffrey. That's interesting that you still have to go with the Guyton punt plus a 4K uh tight end and a 4k wide receiver for that lineup a lot of it's going to be i think because of that price point on jamar chase and another reason also but chase isn't that expensive he's 7600 like that's a mid-range it's still fairly expensive because we don't we don't have that much and this could change by the time we get to saturday night and sunday morning and players start to get rolled out 
but it's it's not like we have that many cheap guys that are standing out in any kind of real significant way. Like that's why we're getting Guyton into the amount of lineups we are is because there aren't that many where it's like, oh, hey, here's this 4,500 running back I like. Here's this 3,500 wide receiver. So that's where it does make it a little bit hard to spend all the way up. And then we are getting to, you know, some of these other cheap guys that we need to to get to Jamar Chase. Something else that I think probably is dictating the amount of exposure we're getting to Bengal stacks is because if you think about the way that our Sims work, it's play-by-play simulations. And all these lineups, they have some sort of correlation built into them. And the fact that Zach Moss projects so well for us this weekend, he comes up in so many Sims lineups, we've got the Bengals playing the Colts. So it's not just the Bengals players that project well, but it's also there's a run back on the other side of the game that makes the lineups correlate a lot better and come together. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we would have naturally gotten a lot of that, even if we didn't factor in correlation, but that definitely helps. Yeah. A lot of Zach Moss. What do we have? What do we have Browning's projected ownership at right now? Let me see. My guess. What's that? 7.3%. Okay. All right. Pulling up our top stacks tool. We have. Let's see here. We have them with the second highest top stack rating in our top stack tool as well. Yeah. The only team that is higher this week is the 49ers and they are uh, super, super chalk. The 49ers in terms of their, their overall ownership to the individual players. Like we've got Brock Purdy's now the betting favorite to win MVP and he's projected for 14% ownership this weekend. That's a lot. And it's not, and also Sam Fran is way more expensive than they were last week. Like Debo's prices come up, I think a thousand Purdy's prices come up. So yeah, that's tough. Here's one thing I want to do, Jacob. Let's go back to lineups. And then the way you filter Browning, filter Mahomes. Cause this is going to be, this is something Eric and I talked about, something Ben and I talked about. What do Mahomes lineups look like if you're stacking Kelsey and like Rashi Rice? Okay, so there's your first one. It's a QB plus three, Greg. Mahomes, Rashad White, Zach Moss, no problems with that. Mm-hmm. Rashi Rice, Elijah Moore. Then you're going Sky Moore, or sorry, Sky Moore, which is just going to make you sick to your stomach, but there he is at minimum salary. Kelsey, Charbonnet, Ravens. It's a three running back lineup. Kelsey, Rashi Rice, and Sky Moore with Mahomes in a higher total game. Second one is QB plus two, Sky Moore plus Kelsey. My guess, my guess, and I haven't looked, is that every single, and I believe this is the way it should be, Mahomes lineup is going to have Kelsey. Probably. And I mean, if we just look at the ones on screen that I'm scrolling through here, just using the eye test and just looking at the tight end spot, it does look like every single one of these lineups has Travis Kelsey, which I don't have any issues with because there's just very limited scenarios where Patrick Mahomes has a big game and Travis Kelsey isn't involved. Exactly. There's so much variance to the other wide receivers. And they're for the, I know Rashi Rice has become a standout and he's had some impressive games, but for the most part, the wide receiver has been terrible for the chiefs this year. I said the same thing to to Eric yesterday. Like the, the only you're not getting, you're not getting a good Mahomes game generally like a great Mahomes game unless Kelsey's along for the ride. That's at least the way it feels. Those receivers have been so bad. I'm with you. Uh, But yeah, you look at some of these. What I wanted to see is if we had any uh, double stacks with Kelsey and Rice without more. And the reason I say that is because, like the reason we're going to see a lot of QB plus threes is because 
why not if you're playing Kelsey, Rashi Rice, and Mahomes and you clearly need the salary because you're going to, why not just plug the minimum salary sky more? It's gross, but you're still getting the correlation, Greg. Like if you have to punt all the way to the bottom, maybe you just try and take Sky more along for the ride because there's no way you're building those lineups out. I've tried it with Mahomes, Rice, and Kelsey. There's no way you're doing that and just building a comfortable lineup around it without some serious punts. Yeah, and then also, let's see. So what is the overall salary? So like the Chiefs are the third most expensive stack on the slate, and that's actually kind of probably even underselling it because – it's you got a, a, an expensive price tag on Kelsey, an, expice, an expensive price tag on Mahomes, but the other pieces that we don't really care as much about are cheaper. So the actual average salary of the players we care about from the Chiefs probably does make it the most expensive stack on the slate. Right. It probably does or doesn't. It does. Yeah, agree. Plus, it's not like Rice is a, a punt anymore. He's what, like yeah. a mid-5K salary or something? He's, he's 5,400, so that's going to be another guy. I'd also bet that, like, okay, do me a favor, Jacob. Go to exposures and and not stack exposures, but go to individual exposures. How much Sky Moore do we have? Yeah, let's see. Sky Moore is in, oh, wow, 30% of our – oh, well, do we only have the Chiefs lineup selected now, or is this everything selected? Okay, this is everything selected. So, yeah, we got to uh, – yeah, that was – 30% Sky Moore. That's a ton. Right. So do do this. Though. Don't worry about Sky Moore, though. Go back. Go to stack exposures. And we have about 22% Mahomes. But you know Sky Moore is going to be in every one of those Mahomes lineups. And then, so really, my, my guess, if I had to guess, and I feel pretty confident, he's probably in 8% of the lineups that don't have Mahomes. Probably. I think that's reasonable to assume. Yeah. Which, which I guess what I'm getting at here is that like he would, it seems like a ton and it don't get me wrong. It is because it means that he's in pretty much every Mahomes stack, but outside of those Mahomes stacks, I wouldn't be anticipating getting a ton of sky more. What do you, what do you, what else do you want to look at here? Any other spots that stand out to you? No fields, by the way. Yeah. I want to, Oh, we didn't have any Justin fields. I don't think so. Uh, let's, let's see, go to Chicago in general. Then if we don't have Justin Fields, I want to see, what does that mean for our DJ Moore exposure and the other wide receivers from the team? It could just mean we don't get to any of them here. Wow. Yeah. Cole Komet 1%, Mooney 0.7%. So hardly anything from the bears at all. So what one Mooney lineup and two Cole Komet lineups out of 150? Yeah, and then on the other side of the game, Chicago, Detroit. So they, they're probably just runbacks in the couple of Detroit lineups that we might have. Are we getting any St. Brown? Go to Detroit for a second. Because I love St. Brown this week, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like we're not – no. All right, so let's – here's the natural natural course we'll take. Uh, let's just go to receivers. Mm-hmm. Who's 88%? Oh, okay. Zach Moss, probably. Yeah. I thought we were still on receiver. Uh, sort by exposure. I totally understand Elijah Moore for what it's worth. I, I like that. Assuming this is obviously assuming that Amari Cooper is out 
of this game? Because there's no way that we'd get that much Elijah Moore, I don't think, if Amari Cooper was in. And uh, he didn't practice yesterday. So it looks like our high-priced exposure is going to Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, and then Jamar Chase, who's tethered to those Jake Browning stacks. Yeah, and yeah, the Elijah Moore exposure, assuming, like you said, there's no Mari Cooper, don't have a massive issue with that, and Jamar Chase in 20. He's actually kind of – so one thing else that you guys should note here, which we have the pool ownership that shows up. So this is going to be like what our contest generator is projecting for ownership when we build lineups in. So Jamar Chase is pretty contrarian, and he's going to set any lineups with Browning and make them look fairly different. Only 9% of the field getting Jamar Chase here. I have a feeling that comes up, but yeah, it, right now. And also, I, I mentioned this on yesterday's show. I love this 7K range. I really do. The Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, looks like we're getting over the field on him, 3.8% leverage. He's been a monster. He has 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns already. He's been huge this year. He's having his best season as a pro. Michael Pittman, uh, I have no issues with that. Be curious to see how often he's used in runbacks on Browning Stacks. But it looks like we're getting around the field on him. A lot of Brandon Ayuk, though. That's that's more Brandon Ayuk than I expected. If there's one thing that stands out here outside of the the terribly frightening Sky Moore exposure, is that we're getting that much Brandon Ayuk and virtually no guys like Amon Ross St. Brown or DJ Moore. Yeah, and Brandon Ayuk is also expected to be chalk. He was in 22.8% of lineups. Who are I'm trying to think who are the other expensive wide receivers this week because this is skewing way more towards the cheap end of wide receiver than we typically see like we, we don't we don't normally see like guyton sky right. more type guys being our most rostered wide receivers mm-hmm. typically we're cheap at running back and then it's the most rostered wide receivers like tyree kill keenan allen jamar chase the expensive guys so it is different builds than there's normal. not that mu- like there's justin jefferson but mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are going to have a tough time pulling the trigger there uh, with Josh Dobbs, but you know, first game back, he's 8,500. Stefan Diggs against Kansas City's 8,800. But you like in this case, the Sims are probably just going to defer to Keenan Allen all the time at a cheaper price point. And then it's Evans, Chase, Nico Collins has the Jets, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, who's been a total ghost, Pittman. I'm on Ross St. Brown, honestly, is the one that that to me is is a little bit surprising that we're not getting any of it. It feels like a really good spot for him. Until you consider that we're not getting anything from the Bears side sure. of the game. So it's just the Sims, at least as of right now, not really loving that game environment. Yep, for sure. I, I will say one thing worth pointing out. I bet this changes a bit, and I'll tell you why. So this earlier in the week, even yesterday morning, like early in the morning when we ran the projections and ownership, Obviously, Vegas is Vegas lines and, and totals are tied into our projections. Uh, this was expected to be a really bad weather game, like super windy, uh, monsoon type rains, just really bad. It has since cleared up and is not expected to be as bad. They're not expecting any rain anymore. The wind was supposed to be 22 miles per hour. Now they're calling for 13 mile per hour winds. And the total jumped from 40 to 43 and a half in some spots. So if I had to guess, Greg, that will have some impact on what we're looking at come closer to Sunday once we rerun these projections. Yeah, because looking at the last time we ran projections, it looks like it was 24 hours ago. And I'm yep. pretty sure the total at the time of our last run was like three points lower, which I know a lot of people might think, well, what it is- was 40, I think. Yeah, which a lot of people might think, what does three points matter? It actually matters a lot. 
when it comes to how an individual game projects. Yeah, especially when, you know, so many of them are right around that 43 number as well. Uh, yeah, look, I don't know. I just would assume that we'd see a little bit more of that. But yeah, look, there's a lot of 43 and a halfs out there now. You see a total, I mean, the total jumped north of a field goal. That's significant enough for sure. Anyway, uh, let's go to running back exposure. Moss has to be 88%. And then like one other said. thing while we uh, look at this is just from the what the difference three points can make. Well, think if a game only has a total of 40, three points, that's what, 8% of 40. So if you're thinking about it just in general, an 8% projection to each player's fantasy point projection, it's going to make a pretty big difference when you're point. looking at all the players. That's a good way to look at it. Like an 8% projection boost across the board. Yeah, right. When you look at it that way, and you've made those boosts yourself and you get a lot more of them. It's the same thing here with the total. All right. And by the way, guys, you want to check out any of these tools. I know many of you who, um, who watch this are already sim already have the Sims and, and the stochastic packages, but uh, you can do a week, you can do a month, you can do the Sims data package or the Sims max. Really the only differences with the data package, you can't generate as many lineups in the contest generator, but if you're a smaller field player, single entry player, that won't matter to you. Uh, obviously a super powerful tool though. Uh, and we'd love for anybody that, that can or wants to use it, to use it uh, and, and kind of be able to, to share the spoils here. We've had someone take down a Millie a few weeks ago. Greg with the NBA lineup generator has been on absolute fire. Eight, dude, this was awesome. Aton yesterday. Yeah. Aton, who's our, you know, one of our betting guys, does great work on the betting side. But, you know, a self-proclaimed non-DFS sharp, right? Like he's literally just going in to the lineup generator or the lineup contest simulator, contest generator and lineup simulator, and he's clicking run. And then he's starring the lineups and saving them, right? It's all he's doing. He doesn't, he's not a DFS aficionado, but he plays it because he's with us. He took down like 5,500 yesterday. I think his entry fees were 130 bucks. And all he did was click run simulation. Yep. Yeah, that was 4,500, but he also won another 500 and then like another 200 or something. So if that's not a testament to how great the tools are, I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's like the old, uh, the Geico commercial, so easy, even a caveman could do it. That's that's Aton with the Simpsons. And he story. looks like a caveman right now since he hasn't shaved. Yeah, yeah and yeah. He's, he's the astronaut of our crew because he certainly exists on some other planet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like I said, the guy, like he doesn't really... He didn't, he wasn't playing DFS at all until we came out with the lineup yep. simulator. So if you guys want to check it out, a bunch of different options, uh, weekly or monthly link in the description and in chat. If you ever have any questions, my DMS are open on Twitter. So are Greg's, uh, and also just a ton of tutorials out there that we can direct you towards. We wouldn't, I mean, you obviously could just press a button and you'd be okay, but there are other ways to tweak it. You can, you can customize this to your liking, right? It's not just straightforward, rigid. You have no options. You absolutely do. Um, anyway, check it out. I think you'll love it. Let's look at running backs now, Jacob. And there's going to be people, Greg, that go, there's going to be people that are like, oh my God, Zach Moss again. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to say it though. Like, first of all, he was in the winning Millie maker lineup. Number one, he kind of didn't matter if you think about it, because even if you didn't play Zach Moss, you still had to build a good lineup around non Zach Moss. Right. And like it still had to be good. And you still needed other value plays that were going to pop. And it didn't matter. 
Zach Moss, and even in the spy, the winning lineup didn't have Moss, but two through 10, as far as I looked, all did. So when you look at it, you go 21 total touches, seven attempts inside the 10, which led the league, um, just running routes on 70% of dropbacks. I could go on and on. He was on the field 94% of snaps. Yep. It's no surprise to me that in this matchup, which is a virtual pick em at uh, on the road, he's going to be, we're going to get a lot of them. It just makes sense. Yeah. And I'm also trying to look at, all right, I pulled up the contest from last week. So the fantasy points for each player by position, people are going to remember that Zach Moss didn't play well. What they aren't, well, they're going to remember he didn't score a lot of fantasy points. What they're not going to remember is that so did most of the other running backs on the slate. Warren was terrible. So I'm saying, right, like guys priced around him even, none of them did much at all. So the cheap running backs, the only one that was decent last week that was cheap was Chuba Hubbard, and he was 1% owned. Uh, You're right. Chuba was good, yeah. So he had 25 fantasy points at 1% ownership. But if you look at the players that were most popular at running back last week, Zach Moss was, what, 70% owned. He scores 7.7 fantasy points. Rashad White was decent, although in a different price range. He was the second most popular running back. The other popular running backs that we had at cheap price points, Jalen Warren scored six. Ramondre Stevenson scored 3.9. Now, that was injury-related, but that's something that happens in NFL DFS. There's a lot of variance because of some of those injuries. Javante Williams had 10. Najee Harris, he was fairly popular. He had nine. So all of the cheap running backs weren't great. They all scored about the same amount of fantasy points. So if you didn't play Zach Moss, it was like, all right, well, who did you play in his place? You probably played somebody else who didn't score a lot of fantasy points. Right. And for what it's worth, it's not like they were a totally different price range, but they were all still more expensive than Zach Moss. So. Yeah, he was 4,600. I think 5,900 makes total sense. Uh, he's going to be chalk again, and he should be. Joe Mixon at 49% exposure. Let's talk about this. In chat, we just had um, we just had race fan. What's up, race fan? Say Mixon's a lock for me. Yeah, interesting. I mean, look, he played, he's playing 70% of snaps or more basically every week. If not, it's like 65, whatever. Uh, and the biggest thing there, obviously, the Sims are accounting for different things, Greg, than I'm talking about right now, but I still don't mind getting a little granular here. The fact that Jake Browning looked to him seven times and he was, again, effective in the passing game and saw volume and also saw 19 carries. So that was 26 total looks, 25 total touches. I still think you're going to need Mixon to get into the end zone because the efficiency and the run blocking there is a problem. But it's not like it isn't doable. So I get it. 6,100 is probably a little bit too cheap on Mixon. It appears that our tools are showing the same. Uh, and we're getting significant leverage here uh, way over the field. What do you make of this? Yeah, so, I mean, it also makes sense when you just consider that, hey, we're getting to a lot of Browning lineups, and Mixon is a player who's involved in the passing game. It is one of those running backs that likely is going to be positively correlated with his quarterback. I do think that if we were to go and do, like, a pretty significant negative ROI boost to Browning, it would also lower the exposure that we get to Joe Mixon. But I don't have an issue with him being one of the guys that we're building around this weekend. I have I have a question for you. I I had asked a couple of the guys earlier in the week on these strategy shows. I want to get your thoughts on two players. Feel free to take this wherever you want, right? But I can say this much. We're not getting any of them. And interestingly, this is the most condensed running back ownership I think I've seen since we've run these these sims and done this show. Um 
I like don't even include Bijan Robinson, and we're getting to seven running backs. Or sorry, what eight running backs? Seven, seven, yeah, seven running backs. So I want to ask you about two guys, Alvin Kamara. Okay. I think I like him a lot more if Derek Carr plays because you just have that constant dump offs. But Carolina's allowed 20 rushing touchdowns this year. Very bad. 17 the running backs. Very bad. And then Austin Eckler, who we have essentially projected for no ownership, 7,600. We're getting a ton of Keenan Allen. Denver's run defense has improved for sure. But those two guys up top, we're getting a ton of Christian McCaffrey. Nothing else in the high. Go back real one more time, Jacob, just so uh, Greg has a full picture of everything we're discussing here. Yeah, look at that. The only guy above 7K that we're getting any of, and it's 30% almost, is Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, talking about the guys that you brought up, first Alvin Kamara, and what's most important to me is going to be what you mentioned before, which is does Derek Carr play or does Jameis Winston play? Because if you remember the last time we saw Winston at quarterback for the Saints, it killed the fantasy value of Alvin Kamara because Kamara was just not getting targeted in the passing game last year. If we go ahead and look at the game logs for Kamara to close out the season, he had less four or less targets in each of the last five games of the season. He only had more than five targets once from November on last year. And if you look at the way that his value has come, and this is also why he's been a better drafting score than FanDuel score this year, he has games where he's like 14 targets this year, where the Saints get behind and Derek Carr just dumps it off to him play after play. After play. He's done it twice with 14 targets. And, and the problem then also with him, if he doesn't get the targets, is you get to the red zone. It's like, who the hell are they going to give the football to? Is it going to be a, is it going to be Jimmy Graham catching a touchdown pass? Is it going to be Taysom Hill filtering because uh-huh. they get to the one yard line? So it really has to be Derek Carr at QB for me to be considering Alvin Kamara. And even then, it's not like he's so wildly differently priced than Christian McCaffrey that I would prefer McCaffrey. So we'll see what ends up happening with the quarterback situation, whether I want to get to Kamara or not. Yeah, very reasonable take. I think with Derek Carr, ownership is going to play a big role for me. If there's a massive gap in ownership between Kamara and McCaffrey, I think I'd be willing to dip my toes into that one a little bit. Just and, and because Derek Carr, that is his outlet right there. He'll just, yeah. you know, nonstop. That interests me. But did you touch on Eckler at all? No. So what's your thoughts here? Because he's. He's like a he's an afterthought now, Greg, for almost anybody. Isn't that crazy coming into the year? You did a lot of best ball drafts. He was a top five pick in any, we'll say top seven, just to be safe. In any best ball draft you did, I bet you didn't see him fall outside of the top seven. No, not at all. Like other than, you know, dumb outliers where you go into the draft and somebody's like Patrick Mahomes first. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Any any draft with like semi-intelligent, sentient beings. Yeah, so in terms of drafts with people who had like functioning brains and knew what was up, yeah, Austin yeah, okay. Eckler was one of the one of the top picks. The problem you run into with him right now is just the volume isn't there in the way that you would typically expect it to be. You know, last week, 14 carries. The week before, 10 carries. The week before, 10 carries. And also in those games, he had three or less targets in two of them. And those were games, too, that should have been game scripts that were favorable to him catching passes. Like, they lose 20-10 to 10 to Baltimore, and yeah, he did have five receptions in that game, but the game before, they lose 23-20 to 20 to Green Bay, and he was only targeted three times, two catches for six yards. So I don't really know what the issue has been with 
Eckler, other than the team itself, hasn't been great, but his efficiency numbers are terrible. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry this year. In the passing game, he is averaging 9.5 yards per reception. That's about even with his career. However, his targets are way down this year in his overall passing game involvement. And the price just hasn't dipped in the same way that his production has. So I look at him as being somebody who's overpriced. Now, if we get to a point on Sunday where like Keenan Allen's super popular, maybe Justin Herbert's really popular, you could look at him as a leverage play where you play Austin Eckler instead of the passing game. But I understand why we're not getting to him. Me too. It feels weird though, right? Just because you see the name and you see that he's 7,600. And you're like, man, we, we should have more of him. Uh, one more question on running back from Kenneth. What's up, Kenneth? What are your thoughts on Chuba Hubbard? Saints have been giving it up to the run last four weeks. Eric mentioned yesterday that he liked him quite a bit. Uh, I understand it. I, I I get it. I mean, I don't know if I – my only thing here is do I want to look at this as, oh, I'm using Chuba Hubbard as direct leverage off of Zach Moss. Maybe you could make that argument. I mean, you could. You probably could because I don't think he's going to be popular. And it's tough for me to say this, but I, I still like Zach Moss a lot more than Chuba Hubbard. But what do you think is a leverage play here at basically the same price point? Yeah, so if, I, if I'm if i trying to get leverage off of Zach Moss and be different, and this is something that also uh, Spags and I talked about last week when it came to Zach Moss, I'd be more inclined to play the Colts passing game than it would be to play somewhere else on the slate. Yeah. Because I, I still think a lot of players from the Bengals look pretty good. And yeah, if you wouldn't mind, just do uh, Indianapolis here, Jacob. I want to see what we're getting to from this team. Yeah, we are getting Gardner Minshew in 6% of lineups. Pittman in 11%, Downs in 7%. If I want to play a lineup that doesn't have Zach Moss, I think the most reasonable way to do it is Gardner Minshew, Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, making that sort of stack and leaving Zach Moss out. And then you're saying, hey, the touchdowns come from other guys. It's coming from the passing game instead of the running game, which that actually was the nuts last week. If you just built a lineup where it's like, hey, what what is what is going to be some of the highest scoring spots on the slate ended up being the Colts passing game right. and it was the 49ers passing game. So that's where the real leverage was had last week off of Zach Moss. And you're getting directly from players that are taking away his production from him. So you could go to Chuba Hubbard and you are going to be pivoting, but I think there's more leverage to be had by playing the Colts passing game instead of Zach Moss. I like that. Good answer. Good answer. A couple of things uh, before we go. Well, one thing, underdog fantasy we're talking about best ball uh if you're not on underdog yet did you yo did you see the the contest that they have for the playoffs what is it i i know that the contests were massive last year well yeah but i'm saying you know how they do yeah you know how they do the the playoff best ball contest which are amazing by the way uh and the type of strategy that goes into that will throw your brain into a pretzel but there's it's a lot of fun man also, guys, like we're coming up on the part of the year where you're going to want to have action elsewhere and going into the playoffs, you know, maybe I'm sick. Maybe I'm demented and, and just have to have a degenerate. But like I prefer to go into something where like throughout the season where I have my best ball lineups, season long, whatever. But like I have my best ball lineups. I have my DFS lineups. I have my all of my bets and everything. So like any given week, Greg, one thing could go wrong, but something else could go really well for me. You know what I mean? And I view it the same way with this. Like underdog has the pick them contest where you up to 20 X your entry. They give out free square. There's essentially a free square. When you sign, if you're a new user, you're always getting basically a free square. So make sure to take advantage of that. Cause it's a massive ROI opportunity. Hundred hundred percent. 
first match deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. So if you deposit 100, you have 200 in your account now that you can play. If you deposit 50, you have 100 now. But like going into the playoffs, you're going to have some of these slates. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like a two-game slate, and you can be done in the first quarter of the first game. And then what do you have? You have a showdown, sure. But you could also have a ton of these best ball lineups out there for the playoffs that could be live throughout the entirety of the postseason. And that's exciting to me. Right now, it is uh, the prize pool. I'm just looking at week 14, 300K for week 14. Um, where's the playoffs? Okay, here you go. One one and a half million dollar prize pool for the gauntlet. Pretty big. Pretty big. 100, 150k up top. They have daily drafts, they have best ball, they have pick 'em. If you're not on underdog yet, you should be. It's one of the best places to play. All different varieties, especially if you're in a non-legal betting state. So link in the description and in chat. You don't need a promo. You click the link, you'll get the hundred percent bonus up to a hundred bucks. And there should be a free square out there for you if you're a new user. Take advantage of it. And I'll see you in the best ball streets for the postseason. All right. Do we want to look at tight end exposure or do we want to expedite this and look at just some of the top lineups as far as ROI goes? Uh, let's look at some of the tight ends. and we Because we did look at some of those top lineups at the start. So let's look at tight ends. And I have a feeling tight end is going to be weird this week because it's weird every week and it sucks. Okay, let's do it. Also, before we go, I wanted to try one thing with you. You know how we said that, like, boosting, the, having the total come up in that Detroit-Chicago game? If we just, like, rounded that to 10%, since we're not going to go back and adjust all of the projections, what if we just did, like, a 10% ROI boost on Detroit and Chicago and then see if we get anything in the top 150? It would probably, for that, have to be a little bit more than just a stack ROI boost. Because so, it's not projections. Yeah. If we change the if we went in and changed the projections really quick, that would probably do it, but not in the time that we have left on the show. Right. All right. So, Njoku, this, again, assuming Amari Cooper's out, 34% Kelsey. Man, that's a lot of Kelsey, man. That's a lot of Kelsey on a week where we've got a ton of wide receivers in that same price range. You know what stands out to me looking at the exposures here? We're not really getting a double tight end lineup that so we get to on a lot of other slates. Good call. I didn't the, think about that. Because usually you look at tight end, it's like the total tight end exposure equals like 140 or 150% because so much of the value has come at tight end. But tight end sitch, it really, really sucks this week. We've got 57% of Njoku. 36% of Travis Kelsey. Then we've got 8% of Otten, Kittle, Pitts. So there are some double tight end lineups in here, but it's not nearly as much as we've seen on other slates. That's a very good point. Very good point. By the way, guys, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Just take a single second. I know there's a few of you out there that could uh, make that happen. All right, Jacob, before we go, let's do one more thing. Go to uh, ROI Boosts. <clears throat> Greg, this is a far from a perfect science here. If we wanted to do it, we would just boost projections on Detroit and Chicago to match the total since we haven't updated projections. But uh, how much do you think we should boost Detroit and Chicago for ROI? Just to just to get a, an idea. 20? Uh, let's just go 30. Okay. Go 30 on, on Detroit and Chicago. And then make sure to hit boost so it saves. Did you get both of them? Okay, do 30 there. Save that, baby. 
and go back to lineups, unfavored them. Let's see what it is. Go to exposures and stack exposures. Do we need to go back to lineups for a second and uh, sort by ROI? Oh, it's already there. Are we still getting none of them, Greg? And looks like it. Yeah, still not really getting too many of them. Wow. Well, any of them, actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah, go to go to filter and just look up uh, for lineups that have not from here. Uh, sorry, go to the lineups tab, Jacob. Just filter by Justin Fields. Just see what the best looking Justin Fields lineups are. Fields, Jacobs, Moss, Ayuk, Wilson. Okay, Eli Moore, Cole Komet, Javante Williams, and Ravens. So it doesn't actually look that much better at all than some of the other, the others that we had been playing around with. Now this one has Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, and Komet. Interestingly, though, it's not DJ Moore. It's all Mooney or Cole Komet. Yeah, and I'm going to guess it's probably. Let me see if I check like our Boom Bus tool, where we have those guys right now. In the boom bust tool, I'm going to guess that we have them a combination of being overowned and then also just not projected well at the moment. Has to be. It has to be. So Amon Ra, same bro. It would, it would have helped if I looked at the uh, NFL boom bust tool instead of the NBA one. Would it have not? Certainly would help. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, how come uh, Jonas Valanciunas is showing up <laughs> on, the, on the NFL slate? Like, he's not going to do any good. All right, so if I look at the individual players from that game, so like Amon Ross St. Brown, we have him projected for, yeah, like 14% ownership with a 10% chance to be optimal. So players like that, they're just not going to show up in the Sims very much. DJ Moore, we have projected also with only a 0.8% chance to be in the optimal lineup. So I do think a lot of this has to do with what you mentioned What you mentioned before, just the total was much lower at the time our projections last ran, and these players are going to come up a little bit. Not like significant. Like I don't think I'm going to rerun lineups in the Sims post the next update, and all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, Justin Fields in 30% of lineups, but it'll probably be like 3 or 4% of lineups instead of 0%. For sure. Anyway, guys, hopefully this was helpful. Uh, if it was, hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, follow Greg on Twitter. G. Ehrenberg, DFS. I'm at Lafayette underscore D. That's where we'll be when we're not on live shows. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Shout out to Jacob, as always, for producing this one and navigating the Sims tool. But the Sims tool makes it easy. You want to check it out, link in the description and chat, of course. Uh, again, any questions, hit us up. Happy to help you. And we'll uh, see you back here tomorrow. Uh, tournament strategy with you and Neil, correct? Yep, Neil and I will be doing the tournament strategy show tomorrow. And then, of course, Sunday. There's going to be the the big flagship NFL show. So we've got the show that goes on for hours and hours. And then, of course, the uh, Live Before Lock for Sunday Night Football. Hell yeah, baby. We'll see you guys back there soon. Peace.